When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. always seems to get involved, doesn't he? I'm telling you, too many coconuts have hit him right on top of the skull. Well, I think uh, Anthony will be a great acquisition. He can do it all. Avery, whose show is this? Welcome everybody here to the Lakers Lounge. I'm Anthony Irwin. Today joined by um, my new favorite beat reporter, uh, seeing as Dan Wojcicki went and immediately blabbed about it. Uh, Jovan Buha of The Athletic is, is here joining us here today. He does incredible work for The Athletic. Um, and and yeah, congratulations on, on the new title. I, I know it's of all of the accomplishments that you've, you've you know, uh, been fortunate, to, fortunate enough to enjoy. Where does that fall on the list for you? I mean, right now I'm considering adding it to my Twitter bio. I think it's <laughs> it's at that level. So uh, we'll, we'll see how the rest of the podcast goes. But uh, if if all goes well, I, I think that that has to go my Twitter bio. Um, yeah, I <laughs> it was funny. I said it to Dan and meant it. I do really legitimately like the you know love the way that Dan, Dan goes Dan's about great. his job. Yeah, yeah. and then um, you sent me a message, and, and I was just like. Ah oh, shit! Jovan's also on the beat. Dang it! Um, we we got well, a great. It's Dan's I mean, fault. Th- it's like like Lakers beat is uh, you know Dave McMenamin as well. Like they, we, yeah. we got some heavy hitters on the beat. So uh, yeah, everyone uh, everyone's great. Yeah. Um, all right. Today's show. You know, we I, I talked to uh, Dan about this and then wrote about it for Substack, and in writing about it for Substack, you know, did a little bit more digging. And continue to just dig into nothingness. There's just nothing to be found there. I am like, it is wild. Um, and this this is where um, it's pretty unprecedented. That the Lakers would publicly signal that they are planning to just kind of run it back. Um, and then follow that up privately. You know, normally, normally the way these things go, right, is the appearances that executives make are like the duck uh, the, the top side of the water with a duck, right? Where everything is kind of calm and, and it's just milk toast quotes about, you know, what they need to do to gain some leverage here or whatever. And there isn't really, you know, there's, there's some clear stuff in between the lines to glean from it. This time though, Rob Polinka has been basically been like here, <laughs> here's what we're, what, what, what I would like to do, what we would like to do here. How have you handled that? Like for me, it's 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 been kind of a challenge because it's just like I don't have anything else to say. But how are you? How are you handling it? Yeah, I mean, I, I've honestly wondered if if this is just a giant smokescreen at times yeah. because everyone has been so in, in lockstep about the plan, uh, and, and you just rarely see that 
Uh, and you know, I, I know you and Dan spoke about it, but uh, you know, I've I've written about it and, and spoke about it as well. Like it's it's been, you know, again, there, there's like the public statements that you know they they you kind of know sometimes are are PR'd a little bit, and uh, it's kind of the way they want the message to come across. Uh, but it's been in private as well, and in, in in just you know speaking with the people I speak to around the team, uh, everyone has unanimously just been like, "Yeah, we're pretty much running it back," and you know we might make an upgrade with the the non taxpayer MLE or the taxpayer MLE, uh, or you know maybe a smaller move uh, somewhere along the fringes. But you know it's been kind of unanimous that uh, Austin, Rui, and D'Lo are are you know likely coming back. Uh, yep. Lakers have the power uh, to match any contract that Austin and Rui sign, obviously. And then with D'Lo, I, I just I don't really see the market there for him. So I, I think they have yeah. some leverage there uh, in, in terms of what they can offer him and, and kind of dictating those terms. But I think once once you address those three contract situations, I, I think it's it's pretty straightforward from there of just, you know, do you keep Dennis? Do you keep Lonnie? Uh, can you retain them? On a minimum contract, can you retain them for the taxpayer? Do you split the non-taxpayer? Can you bring in someone else? Like, so I think those questions are, are a bit smaller than the the kind of macro questions of do we, uh, you know, how how are we shaping this roster? Or but if you're bringing back Austin, Rui, and, and D'Lo, you you are running it back, and you are saying this is the core. Yeah. These are our top five, six, seven guys, and maybe we can make a a slight upgrade, but. This is a group that got to the Western Conference Finals. We really like this group, and let, let's you know run it back. Yeah i I still think the whole like notion of running it back still feels kind of temporary because um, the market is so weird right now. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you talk to people around the league, and everybody is like everybody's top priority is lining themselves up for this new CBA, right? Making sure that. If their owner tells them to get under the, the, the second apron, got to get under the second, second apron. And you look at the trades that happen at, at draft night, right? There weren't any like role players who will help somebody moving forward. You know, maybe Holmes does. I don't know. We'll see. Um, Berton's probably not. And it was just, it was, it was salary moves. It was salary dumps. John Collins, who has been on the market for multiple years now. That was wild. And, this time last year, they were talking about like, yeah, we expect a similar haul that we gave up for DeJounte Murray or that w- that we saw for Rudy Gobert. He goes for Rudy Gay in a future second rounder that probably won't even convey. Um, and so, like, the, you know, this the and the other side of that coin, though, is that you also have teams, and this is where I'm kind of interested to watch Phoenix, because they are going to be above the second apron. And... They have some guys that they can retain. And I kind of wonder, and Aaron has kind of talked about this too, I kind of wonder if we're going to see some of those guys in Phoenix re-sign for higher rates so that they can continue to make trades. Um, because if you're going to be above the second apron, you may as well be way above the second apron, right? And really get the benefits of having that high, uh, uh, a uh, you know, your books being that high. And um, so it's I'm, I'm really fascinated by how all this is going to play out. And, you know, I I also think it's worth clarifying, and, and I think you can kind of speak on this. Um, the Lakers are trying to make upgrades. It's not that, like, they, yeah. they went into this offseason and were just like, yeah, we really, really, really love the team that lost in, 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 in the Western Conference Finals 
in a way that like we didn't love the team that won a championship a couple of years prior. It's just that the market is so weird right now. Yeah, and and I think the the most interesting thing to me in the next few days is going to be the ripple effects of certain guys signing for certain prices or, or signing with certain teams because I think already uh, th- this John Collins move came out of nowhere uh, to some degree, and mm-hmm. that's going to have a ripple effect on the market where Utah was a potential suitor for a Kyle Kuzma, a Grant Williams. Yeah. Uh, and now those guys are, are most likely not going there uh, just because you know, Collins comes in and, and fills a need uh, as, as a starting po- uh, power forward. So now it's like, what, you know, how does that change the market for Kuz? How does that change the market for Grant Williams? And there's only so many teams with cap space. Uh, you know, some like, uh, you know, Houston's kind of another swing team where they've been leaked, uh, linked in, in recent days to Fred Van Vliet and Dylan Brooks and Brooke Lopez and like, they probably can't sign all three of those guys. So <laughs> if they only yeah. get, land a couple of them, one of those guys potentially gets squeezed. So I, I think for the Lakers, I think one thing they, they should be prioritizing over the next couple of days is, and this is where I think the, the Beasley and Bamba situation becomes interesting, is I, I think there's a chance like someone ends up getting squeezed and is available, like a, a useful player, a potential yeah. starter or, or sixth or seventh man, Get squeezed just because there's a game of musical chairs going on with, with you know the teams with cap space, and one of those guys ends up only having the non-taxpayer MLE available to them. At which point, the Lakers become, I think, a, a really attractive suitor. Of you yeah. can come in and start here. Uh, you can you know look at what happened to Malik Monk. Look at what potentially happens with Lonnie Walker this offseason. Like, Monk if you was come, on a minimum. Yeah, and and even you know Caruso and, and THC. Like if you come here and, and play even moderately well, you are going to get paid with your yeah. next contract. So I think that's that's an advantage the Lakers have, and I, I think you know I, that's what like so the, the Mo and, and and Malik stuff is you know after the season I was told they're both gone or at yeah. least like you know the, they're going to decline the option. They're going to waive Mo. Uh, in in recent weeks, the tune changed because I, I think the team was uh, optimistically hoping they could move them at the trade deadline for something. I mean, not, mm-hmm. not the trade at the draft for something, draft. and mm-hmm. that obviously did not come to fruition. And now I've I've been hearing some mixed things, but uh, it, it is looking like at least one will likely have you know one of the two will not be back in in terms of you know, the Lakers either declining uh, leaks option or. Uh, waving Mo, uh, you know, if not both. And I think it's it's probably the right move just because I, I think if you look at some of those guys that could be available for uh, the non-taxpayer MLE, what, what, you know, whether it's uh, Dante DiVincenzo, um, you know, a Bruce Brown Jr., although I think his market's probably going to be higher than that. Like if one of those yeah. two guys is available, the Lakers like have to pounce on that if they can and sign that guy. So I think for them, it's prioritizing flexibility in the next few days. Uh, you know, thankfully Austin's cap hold isn't high. Uh, Rui's cap hold is kind of high, so maybe they try to you know get something done with him done uh, sooner quickly. than later. Uh, mm-hmm. And then there's the Delo situation, which also would probably benefit them to to come to a resolution sooner than later. But uh, I, I think if if they play their cap situation right, they could potentially get a steal with the non-taxpayer MLE and end up basically running it back, but with a significant rotation upgrade. Yeah, the whole the, the Beasley Bomba thing is kind of tough because of their guarantee date. It takes place before uh, free agency tomorrow. Yeah. 
yeah, and and so that you know that makes it a little difficult. Fortunately, though, like you know, and and I know that the league, uh, Mike Workinov of the Athletic, um, just put out kind of a summary of what we know about the CBA thus far. It is. It is insane that we are this far into the offseason and these teams are operating without having the full CBA in their hands. It's crazy. That is unbelievable. I, I, at some point, I, I got to talk to Eric or, or Larry about, like, that has to not have happened before, where, where they're, they're operating this much in the dark. We have some parameters. We have some generalities. But we, <laughs> to not have the whole thing is just bananas to me. But, um, yeah, the Beasley-Bomba thing is interesting because, yeah, um, I, I'm what I had heard has been very similar to what you talked about, especially at the beginning of it, where Beasley was so bad in the playoffs and Bamba didn't play. And um, Bamba also has a low motor. And I don't think the Lakers really like guys with, with low motors. And, and so like, it, it felt almost, you know, borderline um, for lack of a better term, emotional. It's just like, no, we're good. We're good here. We're done. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I get it, you know, I get it when you lose, when you get swept out of the Western Conference Finals. And the Lakers typically, if they get that far, they don't normally lose in the Western Conference Finals. Um, and and so I understood where it was coming from. But then, like, you know, I, as all that was happening, I just kept on, like, saying, hey, you guys know those are expiring contracts as everybody is trying to get off of long-term money, right? Like, so while I'm with you in that, um, if they don't bring those guys back and they do gain access to the non-taxpayer mid-level, right now all they're going to have is a mini mid-level. Um, if they do uh, get off those contracts and get access to the non-taxpayer mid-level, they can get some immediate help. But also those guys adding up to $26 million, which could be upwards of $30 million in, in, in terms of a return in a trade, that's an impact player and if that player's contract runs long enough into where an organization is concerned that it's going to put them too close or above the the second apron, you might be able to get the 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 access there. And 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 you know, I I like that you really mentioned how they're prioritizing flexibility because no matter what decision they make with both of these guys, it is really going to help. Like that that is they can remain flexible because they're just expirings because. And, and they're expiring on guys who I think have a decent chance at, at helping. Like you look at this, the free agent center market and Bamba might still make the most sense for the Lakers than just about anybody that has been linked to him at that price range. Right. And, and um, Beasley is still one of the league's best shooters. So I could totally understand why they were frustrated at the, at the beginning. And now I can understand why they're looking at it like, well, those guys might be able to help. And they're they're potentially going to be assets. But it, one thing you did because you wrote about it for um, for the athletic again. This is Yofan Buha who does incredible work for the athletic. You. Um, you mentioned that the Lakers have an outside shot at Lonnie Walker coming back, and that one really surprised me. That one I hadn't heard much for. Can you kind of offer up a little bit more detail on what that would look like? Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Yeah, well, I, and, and that's where I think now the, the, the flexibility, I think, you know, you, you can make the argument they have flexibility either way, but that's where not bringing back Malik and Mo. Uh, yeah. or, or not bringing back at least one of them gives them more flexibility in that they could just re-sign Lonnie for that seven point, uh, you know, six or seven point eight, whatever the the, the you know, mm-hmm. exact number is, uh, because I, I think that's probably his his market. It is you know I've I've heard five or six million kind of thrown out there. Uh, so I think if you, if you clear that with seven, you're probably in the driver's seat to retain him. Uh, now I do think he wants a bigger role and. Uh, that was something he was kind of vocal about later in the season when uh, he re-entered the rotation and, and just talked about his future. He was very open about uh, he. I think even throughout, I want to be a star one day. And I look yeah. at LeBron and AD and Me too. what I've learned from them. And uh, <laughs> so I, I think uh, it could be a long shot just from a role perspective. Where if the Lakers are signing Austin or you know matching Austin uh, on like a ninety-eight million dollar contract. Uh, he's clearly the starting shoot. I mean, he's their third best player and starting shooting guard of the future going to be playing. I would you know, guess mid thirties minutes wise next season. So there's only yeah. so many minutes for Lonnie Walker. And that's honestly, I think, I think between the two Mo probably makes more sense to keep than Malik as you, you know, kind of hinting at where, I mean, for less money, but again, the center market, like I, I would like, if Dwight Powell were available for the right price, or yeah. or Mason Plumlee, uh, who who kind of had some productive minutes for the Clippers, like I think both of those guys are, are upgrades. But aside from that, and, and those guys just because of the center market could end up going for the non taxpayer or or something close to it. Uh, besides that, that I mean, the center market is really bleak. So with Mo, yeah. he's young. The Lakers have been fans of his for years. Uh, they wanted him last offseason. Orlando signed him to a bigger deal than the Lakers could offer. Uh, so I, I think Mo is probably the more likely one to stay just from a financial standpoint and because of the market. But Malik, I also look at it like, I mean, is he even going to play? If you have, if you keep D'Lo, you keep Austin, uh, you know, Lebr- it's either LeBron Rui, LeBron Vando as the starting front court. But, you know, those three are all going to play front court minutes. Mm-hmm. And then you potentially have uh, Dennis coming back. You know, Max. Lonnie may be coming back. Max is someone they want to play next season. I mean, Jalen's a top 20 pick. Those guys typically end up playing some minutes or at yeah. least getting a shot. And then Maxwell Lewis, the Lakers are sneakily high on as a potential yeah. 3 and D wing that could surprise and play earlier than expected. So like all of a sudden I'm looking at it like, yeah, Malik is, is a nice luxury to have as that type of weapon in the rotation, but at 16 and a half million. Cause I think the other thing here, 
with the flexibility, and, and this is where I'll, I'll get back to the Lonnie point, is like if you basically run it back with, with you know, re-sign the three big names, keep Mo and Malik, all of a sudden you're at over $160 million. Like, you know, yeah. depending on D'Lo's final number and Rui's final number, you're already at 160 plus, And that's without Dennis, Lonnie. That's without, uh, you know, the empty roster charges uh, and, and kind of just finalizing your rotation. So I think you're already pushing into the first apron potentially and, and maybe even the second, you know, getting close to the second apron. So yeah. while it would be, you know, nice to retain those guys and potentially flip them later in the season, more likely toward the trade deadline, you're also kind of limiting your flexibility that way, just in terms of roster. Like if you keep Mo and Malik, you're basically saying like at, at best, we're using the taxpayer MLE and depending yeah. on how high these salaries are for the rest of the roster, Mind you might not even have yeah. access to that. So yeah. I think that's where it kind of puts you closer to the first apron, you know, sooner. And again, kind of between the two, I, I personally would think it'd be, it'd be more advantageous to have the non-taxpayer available to you, bring in a a guy that's going to be clearly in the rotation where like Mo and Malik could be, but it's not a certainty. Like if if they continue where they kind of left off last season it's just kind of dead salary on your on your cap sheet until you flip those guys later on. But you're kind of going half a season with two guys in your rotation that probably shouldn't be playing. So that that's where it's an interesting thing. With with Lonnie, again, I, I think the Lakers can probably offer him the most. I don't see him getting the non-taxpayer. Like, you know, maybe. Maybe there's a team mm-hmm. that's really high on him. But I, I think even with Malik, the market was a little bit cooler than we expected last offseason uh, until Sacramento, you know, swooped in but but even then it wasn't as much as it yeah. had been kind of reported going into it how, how much he could be making so with Lonnie I, I think it just come it, it could come down to finances of um the Lakers just offering more uh but he's someone that I, I've heard they still have interest in I think it has to be yeah. the right situation uh but I, again w- with the backcourt jam I, I don't see a clear like Lonnie's playing 20 25 minutes and if you're signing into a seven million dollar contract compared to maybe like a vet minimum guard. Um, I'm sure he's better than that player, but you're saving some money and you're not potentially dealing with a guy being unhappy if he's not playing as much as he wants to. Yeah. I. Uh, so I've done a little bit of math here. And if they basically bring back everybody and like Austin comes back at like 12 and Rui signs for 18, I have Russell slotted for about 20. Um, that's another one that I want to come back to because you have his number lower than I do. Um, and, and you know, they bring back Bombo, they bring back Beasley, plus, you know, some minimums here and there. They they sit at, uh, oh, plus uh, Jalen Hood Shafino's contract, his rookie contract is going to be like 2.8 or something. Um, if, if they put all that together, they sit at like 176 and some change um, total. And... The that's not with second, the full roster, right? Yeah, right. They there's, still have some. Still, they still yeah. have some work to do. They'd have, I think, you know, from from what I wrote, it was like three or four spots that they still need to fill out, which was why I kind of think Castleton has an outside chance at making it because he's kind of like a, a cheaper option than signing a vet men guy. Um, but if they if they do that, right? Like the the um, second apron is like a hundred and eighty two point five million, and you only have six million to work with there. Um, that does get tight. And, and you also mentioned the idea of Beasley and Bamba, Beasley especially. I think Bamba would play. I think Bamba, 
Bamba would probably be the the you know the backup. Well, big. If they keep him, he, he's probably their backup center at that yeah. price. Beasley, though, I don't know. Like you know, to your point, I don't know. I I, I don't know where those minutes come from because um, I'm hearing that Max, when he's been in the gym so far this offseason, has really impressed. Like he looks physically bigger, apparently, which mm-hmm. is really exciting to think about. Um, and 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 by the way, like even when we saw him last year it, with that smaller frame. I always thought he belonged out there. I never, mm-hmm. I never, it never looked to me like he just was in over his head. So he has the, the possibility. Um, Jalen Huchifino is, is a really interesting kind of guard combination with Austin in that he does bring some more physicality and, and, and all of that. Austin is going to take that step forward this year. And, um, you know, I, it sounds to me like the offense is just kind of be hit. It, it might just be his, um, you know, and, and, and D'Angelo Russell would potentially be like off of the ball a little bit more there, um, which which is really interesting. But but yeah, that's where it gets tight. And I also know we also know Jeannie Buss doesn't like dead money on her on her roster. And Malik Beasley being sixteen and a half million dollars worth of dead money, even if it is for a few months, would be kind of tough to swallow, um, given how close that brings them to the second apron, which does bring to. Like I, I keep asking around, and I'm wondering if you've heard anything on this front too. I keep asking about because they can opt out of Beasley's contract, retain his bird rights, and bring him back at a lower number, right? Mm-hmm. You could trim ten million dollars off of your books just like that. I think because I think he is like a five or six million dollar player. Sure. Yeah. Um, when I ask about it though, it's pretty much like no. If if when we're done with him, we're done with him. Um, what what are you hearing on on that front though? Have you have you thought about that as a possibility at yeah. all with Beasley. So I, I, I probably should have mentioned it earlier, but the, the Lakers can decline his option and maintain his bird rights, re-sign him to a 5 or $6 million deal. Um, I had heard it might not be mutual in that case, where if yeah. he, you know, because essentially the Lakers would be costing him $10 million $10 or, million. or, or so, uh, depending on the final number there. Uh, I think that would be, and then he, I mean, he'd be an unrestricted free agent. Technically he, he'd be able to survey the market and yeah. I'm sure there's another team that would be able to offer him a bigger role at a similar price. Yeah. Point. So that, that's the other thing too, is it's like, do I want to go be the 11th man? Like Lakers just cost me $10 million. Do I want to go be the 11th <laughs> man there and not yeah. rehab my value? Like, I think he'd probably go somewhere else where he'd be like, Hey, come be the seventh or eighth man. Uh, so mm-hmm. I think. That's probably more the thing there. If, if they could do that, I, I think it's unlikely, but it's possible. Uh, but same thing with Mo, because e- even when I mentioned right after the season, having some conversations and, and it sounding like Mo is going to be waived, it was still like we'd love to bring him back on on a vet minimum contract. Like if he's yeah. if he's interested in that, we would love to have him back. We just don't like like him at the ten point three million dollar figure. So that's yeah. still an option with Mo. They could also use one of their exceptions or, or part of one of their exceptions on him. So if they open up the non-taxpayer MLE and say, hey, uh, we really want to keep Dennis, you know, maybe they split it with Dennis and Mo. And I know that's not something Laker fans would love, but um, you know, it, it saves you some money, retains two bench guys, and uh, you know, I, I think you know, potentially is an outcome that could happen. So I think there's different ways. Like just because they – wave Mo tomorrow or decline Beasley's option. doesn't mean those guys are 100% gone. It does, though, open up the possibility for other teams to swoop in, offer them more money, offer them a bigger role, just better opportunity. Uh, so I, I, 
I think mo- in the case that they're both, uh, you know, declined and waived, it's so confusing. Like it, it's, let's just say waived. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think Mo's more likely to return than than Malik would be, just because of, uh, you know, I think. I mean, although again, we talked about the center market, and like who knows? Maybe someone throws. Hey, we need to back up five. Uh, you know, Denver loves going after former uh, Laker bigs. Maybe Denver throws <laughs> yeah. the the taxpayer MLE at him, whatever. So, uh, but yeah, I think with Malik, it, it would be you know five six million. But again, uh, from what I've heard, I think that there's a fear that he wouldn't be open to that, and it would kind of be like, okay, you guys declined my option, cost me money, I'm out of here to to somewhere else. So you come in lower on D'Angelo Russell's number than. Just about anybody. It's been so funny watching all of this and seeing consensus in the way that I, I have um, with the, you know, normally, normally it's just like, I, I wouldn't go so far as to call it bickering, but like, it's just, there's just, you know, in the writing and in the reporting, there's some differences in what various reporters think the Lakers can do or will do. This time though, everybody's just kind of like looking at each other. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know, we're all just kind of like stuck here. And, um, but like one of the places that I have seen some, um, a, a bit of a range on is D'Angelo Russell's number. And I have thought to this point that it's, it's going to be like a two year, 40 minute, $40 million deal with a team option on the second, on the second year of it. So that at the deadline, he would be an expiring contract. Um, but you've had him at, at you know, almost at, at like, did I see 16? What number do you, if you had to, you so know, pinpoint I, it, where, so I where got, would you I, I want to clarify that because uh, I had to clarify it on Twitter. Um, yeah. So uh, I, what I said, I said what I would do, um, yeah. which would be play hardball and just say, you know, look at the market, look at the teams with cap space, look at what those teams need. And, you know, Houston's maybe an exception where they're, they're targeting a James Harden. They're targeting a Fred Van Vliet. Uh, I've heard them as a potential suitor for Austin. Uh, so the, the, that's a team that on paper doesn't necessarily need a point guard, but is clearly going for these primary ball handler types. But aside from them, like, where is the team with cap space that is going to be going after D'Lo? Is it San Antonio? Yeah. That does not make sense he, to me. Is it U- like like U- a, Utah? A maybe you, you, you could maybe say Utah. As like you know, they're kind of getting some of these pieces that teams have given up on, like a Collins, a Laurie Markkinen, uh, even a Jordan Clarkson previously, Colin Sexton. Like they've kind of been, they've been able to find the best in some reclamation projects of, of former you know, lottery picks and, and first round guys. So may, maybe Utah is like the one team, but e- even then, I, I don't necessarily know if I see that fit. Uh, so I'm if I'm the Lakers. And as we've been talking about during this conversation, every dollar is going to matter under the new yeah. CBA. It, it like Delo at eighteen million versus Delo at twenty four million could be a huge difference in the way the Lakers build their roster, the flexibility they have at the trade deadline. So I, I think, from, from my understanding, from, from just conversations I've had, like I think the Lakers are going to play some level of hardball, but mm-hmm. I think it's a delicate balance because. You don't want to offend the guy. And yeah. as we know, you know, D'Lo, uh, I think it's kind of clear, like has a high opinion of himself. 
and uh, I, you know, I yeah, don't think I'm going on a limb there. Uh, so yeah. I, I think a guy making $31 million, former number two pick, former all-star, uh, you offer him two years, $35 million, that's probably offensive. At the same time, yeah. two years, $55 million is an overpay. So what, yeah. I guess where, where I come in, I, I think it's probably closer to like 40, 45 million range. I'm, I'm probably with you. I've heard two years. I've heard one plus one for you know different things uh, in terms of that. But I think it's going to be a short-term deal to line him up with LeBron and AD. Uh, yeah. and, and again, they, they, you know, they don't want to commit to him that long. Uh, but it is kind of a marriage of convenience where the, you know the, there isn't another point guard that they can get unless they're willing to sign and trade for Fred Van Vliet or Kyrie Irving and gut your depth and lose future draft picks and assets uh, yeah. and really go back to the three-star build, uh, you know, they're looking at it like, who's the point? Like, you know, Gabe Vincent for the non-taxpayer MLE. Like, you know, maybe you could talk yourself into that as like a lateral move or like a slight downgrade. But, uh, you know, I, I think it's realistically, they got to keep D'Lo, but it's got to be the right number where um, I think you're kind of satisfying his ego and his self-perception and uh, just kind of, you know, m- making it not look like he has this precipitous, you know, drop off in his contract. Yeah. But at the same time, you're not screwing yourself where it's not a movable contract, e- even if it is expiring. It's just so high. Teams don't want to deal with it. Um, yeah. Or, you know, you're, you're like, and again, it, it's really going to matter in how you build the roster. Because if, if, if you can get D'Lo at 15 million a year, like that opens up, that makes it way easier to get the non-taxpayer and, and yeah. potentially you know, re-sign Lonnie at the 7.8 and, and, you know, throw something at Dennis. So like you have more optionality if you, you know, at D'Lo at 15, 16 versus D'Lo at 22, 25. That said, I do think it's going to be around the 20 million number. So 40, 45, maybe even 50 to kind of save some face for him. You could also front load it or, or back load it, you know, depending on w- which way you think it'd be more valuable. But, um, uh, or I guess it'd probably be, um, more backloaded, but, uh, I don't know. I, I think so. I, I guess what I said the, there was a clip um, on on late uh, late night league show where I I just said I play hardball and I'd offer him two thirty six or yeah. or you know two two forty okay. tops and just say if you find a better deal, go for it and, and we'll reconsider. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll re, you know if you can give come back to us with a, with a better offer, we'll reconsider and you know we'll we'll. You know, we'll reconsider. But if not, where's this money coming from? Because if you don't sign with us, you're probably getting the non-taxpayer MLE from someone else, and that's a steep discount. So, yeah, yeah, he's he's in that tough spot where he isn't young enough to have a ton of upside, and he isn't good enough for teams to move heaven and earth for. You know, he's talented, and he was like you know last year when the Lakers were at their best. It was typically when D'Angelo Russell was playing well. Um, and, and by the way, that's probably going to be the case next year, where um, if Austin is humming, that's probably going to be kind of the norm. Obviously, LeBron and AD or LeBron and AD. And then the wild card is D'Angelo Russell. And on nights that he has it, the Lakers just are going to look unbeatable. If he doesn't necessarily have it, then they got to find that production from somewhere else. And that's like, if that's the player that we're describing, 15 mil seems reasonable. Right, especially heading I think into if, this if we're being honest, he, he, I think he's like a fifteen to seventeen million dollar a year player. Yeah, and absolutely. Like, 
I mean, show me the $20 million player that is getting played off of the floor in the conference finals. Right. Yeah. I'm, or, I'm, or I'm, unless, I'm, you know, unless that player is a defensive first player who can't really shoot and teams are just playing like, you know, kind of like a Vando type at that yeah. 20 million price. But if you are an offensive minded player who gets by with your scoring and your shooting and your playmaking, where is that guy making 20 plus million and not being able to play in the conference finals? And frankly, had the Lakers advanced, I don't think would have been able to really play in the Miami series. I think Miami would have been able to do similar yeah. stuff to him. So like, I think that that's, I think the, pro the problem with the, with the dealer situation is like, I just, I don't think he's at least in the role that he would want. Like, I think he could be a winning player as like a six man for the Lakers or, yep. or, you know, in, in a specific role of like, you're playing 18 to 24 minutes tonight. If you have it, you'll, you'll maybe you creep up to 30. If you don't have it, you know, 15, 16 minutes tonight, kind of that range. But that's not who he views himself as. That's not going to be the role he has. And, you know, it, it's tough to put, pay that guy $25 million a year when you know, come conference semifinals or, or conference finals, he's probably going to have to be on the bench, uh, if not benched entirely. And that's just, that that's tough to pay that guy that much, especially, you know, with the new CBA, with you paying Austin a certain amount, with you paying Rui a certain amount, already having the monster salaries of LeBron and AD, like, at some point, you can't just pay everybody 15 plus million. Like that, that's not how team building works in the modern yeah. CBA. Yeah. I, it, it's, it's also not an outlier. The Western conference finals no. wasn't an outlier with Russell. He was benched when he was in Go back to the previous the playoffs, playoffs, you know, in 2022. Yeah, just, yeah. And, and even in the previous couple series, right. There were a couple games there where he didn't finish those games either. Right. So, well, that, that's the other thing too, is that I think there's been some revisionist history in like trying to support the DLO argument. Uh, like, I think he wasn't that good. Like, I, I, I don't think he was that good in the first couple of rounds. I thought he had some good games and some good quarters yeah. and some good like moments. And he had those, you know, he has those flurries where he'll hit four threes in a row. Crowd's yeah. going crazy. But like a lot of those, you know, games, he struggled defensively. Lakers had to hide him. And when he's not making those shots or not having those flurries, like he just isn't at, he's not playable. Know, he, he was not a $31 million player. And yeah, uh, you know, clearly. So I, I, I think like the Lakers kind of have to keep him, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if they flip him at the trade deadline. Like that would be my prediction um, is if they retain him and, you know, do their best to try yeah. and flip him at the, the 2024 deadline. Yeah. And that's why, that's why, you know, to kind of put a bow on it, I thought 20 million was the range so that they can, they can use that to convince him to, have a team option on it or have it not be guaranteed in the second year. And that way it becomes an expiring at the, at the deadline that the Lakers can attach to, you know, we were seeing teams move 37 second rounders last, last trade deadline. So something like that and, and see what they can get there. Um, last thing before we get you out of here. And by the way, crisis averted, the, the CBA has been shared with teams that <laughs> is that I'm according to uh, Adrian Wojnarowski that has, um, the, the the teams now have the 676-page agreement that goes into effect on July 1st. It is wow. July, Wait, June did, 28th. <laughs> did you see this uh, Nikola Vucevic contract? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> like, and, and, I, and I'm an SC guy. Uh, yeah. But, and, and he's I mean, a Balkan boy, too. But, yeah, that's It's, that's it's funny because with that one, they were, there was, it's, it's not great. 
when a literal report is that the Bulls are reluctant to part ways with him because it would look bad because they brought him <laughs> because he was an acquisition uh, that they that they sent away Wendell Carter for and he played well in, in Orlando. They don't like the way it would look if they sent all that stuff out for Vooch and then uh, got rid of him. But yeah. anyway, um, the last thing before we get you out of here, and again, this is Jovan Buha of The Athletic who does really, really, really better than Dan Wojcicki, um, in my opinion. <laughs> But, but, um, but so, um, if the Lakers do run it back as we're talking about, and as, and as they have basically announced, this is the wild part is that like, they're just out there like, yeah, this is probably what we're thinking. And, um, and then like privately, did you not hear me in the press conference like this? (laughs) Um, if they bring it back though, the Lakers did get swept in the Western conference finals and, um, they got swept by the eventual champion who went out and and pretty definitively beat the crap out of Miami too. Denver is, I think, I just finished doing a, a pod uh, about an hour or so ago with um, Jason Timp where we ranked the Western Conference teams. And Denver, to me, is still kind of head and shoulders above everybody else in the conference right now. And they might be able to retain Bruce Brown on the Bobby Portis track right where he comes back at the most that they can pay him this year then they retain his full bird rights and then next year he gets paid for the services that he did for two straight years under market value um if they're able to bring him back then denver looks really 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 good next year and um how would you explain to fans who like watch that western conference final watch them get swept and be like Hey, they're running you back. How exciting is that? You know, given given what we what we saw from them the last time we saw them. I don't have a great way to spin it, to be honest. Uh, I think, like, they're. I mean, uh, Rob mentioned proof of concept yesterday at the press conference, and I think that there is something to that. There is something to this group never really having continuity year over year in, in the eighty LeBron era. The closest was probably the first two years, but but even then, uh, trading Danny Green for for Dennis and uh, you know bringing in Marcus Sol and Trez, it, it was a pretty you know yeah. big shift in terms of identity and and style of play and uh, just kind of the makeup of the roster. E- even if Caruso and, and KCP and, and Kuz were all still there, and of course LeBron and AD, like it, it and that was such that a team was just different. They played like uh, and they're still really good, and, and who like. <laughs> That team could have won a championship potentially if they stayed healthy throughout the regular season and, and yeah. AD doesn't go down against Phoenix and we'll never know. But uh, that was like the closest. And even then, different starting lineup, different you know top eight, nine guys. So I, I think there is something to bringing it back and, and, and that like idea. But that said, I still look at it like this team has two major holes uh, mm-hmm. and maybe two and a half. They're too small in the perimeter. They don't have enough shooting. And they didn't have a playable backup big in the playoffs. And mm-hmm. I think the big one, you know, maybe Mo gets healthy and you or you know, he kind of becomes that, or or you sign a, a better backup. And that one's probably a little bit easier to, to figure out. You can make a smaller trade in, in during the season, but the shooting and the size, like you run it back, you're gonna run back those problems. Like the yeah. like the shooting isn't going to be magically fixed, in my opinion. And and that's also with a guy in Rui. 
who shot 28% from three in the regular season, turning into a 40% three point shooter in the playoffs. And, um, you know, I look at, there've been some people who mentioned the three point shooting and and how the, the championship year and it, you know, you don't need elite three point shooting, but like, you know, several of those guys got really hot in the bubble. LeBron was a better shooter. AD was a better shooter. Yeah. And, you know, KCP was a reliable 40%. Kuz would, would get hot. Caruso had, had a good bubble. Uh, even Rondo had his moments as a good shooter. So I think Rondo shot like you know, Danny, 45% from three in the bubble. Like, so I, I just look at that and I'm like, okay, well, the only two reliable shooters you had in the playoffs were Austin and Rui. And you're going to keep those guys and, and bring them back. But like Dennis is a liability from there. Delo's shot fell off in the playoffs. Uh, you know, Malik was unplayable. I guess Lonnie was the other one, but he didn't really come on until midway through the, the semifinals. Uh, and again, he's just a six four guard, which you know limits. So I think the Lakers are just going to run into the same problems where if they play a team with a, a big perimeter group or a big front court, they're just going to be too small and it's going to look like Denver all over again. And, and maybe not as decisive where they get swept and whatever, but uh, you know we'll see what Phoenix does. But we'll see if the Clippers can ever stay healthy. Uh, Golden State, I personally like the Chris Paul move. I know it doesn't, you know, I guess solve their size issues with, with Golden mm-hmm. State, but like, you know, Memphis, uh, we'll, we'll see. Like, they're not going anywhere. I, I like the Marcus Smart pickup. Of course, Jaws is going to be out, so they'll probably be a, a, a lower seed. Um, but the West is loaded now. And like, I, I was I was making that argument on a podcast. Like, you can make the case 14 of the 15 teams are trying to at least make the play in tournament. That 15th team, was Utah before they traded for John Collins. And like now yeah. it's like you can make the case all 15 teams have a legitimate shot at making the plan. Like if Houston adds Van Vliet and Brooks or Van Vliet and Lopez, they obviously add James Harden. Like that's probably a, a nine or 10 seed playoff team. San Antonio just added a generational prospect. Like you just go down the list. It's <laughs> oh, like, <is> that all? <laughs> it's like, where, where is this like easy team in the West? Like, you know, of course, someone's going to be bad and, and someone's going to win 25 games. But like entering the season, every team is really good. So I guess roundabout way of saying I, act, I actually think running it back is a mistake. Um, now, mm. I think like, like again, a couple of, of caveats where if you had a Dante DiVincenzo, you had a Bruce Brown Jr., you had someone good for the non-taxpayer MLE. I think that's a, a much needed like, you know, boost to the rotation. And now I feel a little bit differently. Or you make a trade in the middle of the season again and upgrade the roster. But that's always easier said than done, even though they did it last year. And you just, you know, I don't know who that player is, what what that skill set is. But uh, again, I'm I'm just kind of looking at it like and even even in the draft, um, you know, for uh, I I like the Jalen Hood Shafino pick, but like he's even talked about it now openly a couple of times like. Yeah, the one knock on me is like I'm not a good three point shooter, and like I'm going to be in the gym yeah. working on it. But that's already now another guard that is potentially added to the rotation that like isn't much of a shooter. So I just look at it like this: this team needs more shooting. Like the book on LeBron and AD for their entire LeBron AD era has been pack the paint, leave their shooters open, and in the bubble they made them pay. Uh, at times in 2020, 2021 they made them pay, but since then. They've not been able to make teams pay for defending them that way. And yeah. um, so I think they got to fix that. And that's kind of a structural thing. I mean, I don't know how you like remake the roster to plug that hole. But I think if you run it back with the current shooters that they have, I just don't think that's good enough personally. Yeah, it might be it might be fine-ish for the regular season. 
Um, yeah, I guess when, we're, we're, I'm talking specifically playoffs right now. Like regular right. season, they could be a two seed, three seed, whatever. Come yeah. playoff time, and teams can game plan for them. I think it's an issue. Yeah, and and it's not that like I'm in the business of spinning it, but like the way that I've kind of looked at it is, for lack of better options that are clear right now, um, I've understood the idea of continuity. <clears throat> I also think that their desire for continuity has a lot to do with the fact that Polinka was the one who pulled off the trade and he doesn't want, like he looks at his guys differently than like Caruso, right? Who wasn't a Polinka guy. And, and I think that's, that's played a, a factor here. And, um, you know, we also teams literally, as you and I have been talking, just got the CBA. So we're, you know, I think that has been a domino that needed a fall. We're still waiting on whether or not Damian Lillard is going to get traded, and I think that's going to be a domino that that gets some stuff moving as well. But but yeah, I while I understand where they're coming from and the desire for continuity, I do still kind of line you know land back at hey Denver was really good, they beat the crap out of the Lakers, they swept them right, and it was a quote unquote clo- a closer sweep, um, but it was a sweep nonetheless, and. Um, some of the issues that the Lakers had in that series aren't going to get resolved if you don't do anything to the roster going into the season. So that's going to be kind of, I I think what I'm going to be looking for the most is what they do to kind of tweak some stuff here and there while they do for the majority of, of this off season, push some of the same chips into the table and see what that looks like. But as we find out what that looks like and where to see what that looks like and where to keep the, uh, the, the, the best updated on what that might look like is at The Athletic through Jovan's writing. Thank you very much, man, for hopping on. I know how busy this is going to be. We're like a week removed somehow from – or we're, we're a week away from like games already because of Sacramento. Um, it, this, the, the, this whole thing doesn't stop, but thank you very much y'all Yovan for hopping on. And, and, and I uh, look forward to talking to you, uh, sometime soon. Yes, sir. That's, uh, I gotta add it to my Twitter bio now. Favorite, uh, Lakers beat writer <laughs> where you can find him. Uh, glad you mentioned it, uh, is at, uh, on Twitter at Yovan Buha, J O V J O V A N B U H A. Um, you got also got to keep an eye out for the stargazing pod that he does for the athletic. It's an NBA culture pod. Um, that's such a cool concept. I'm so jealous of it because everybody's doing the same thing. Like I'm doing to talking to you right now, but, um, you know, isolating the cultures is, is a really cool notion. So again, that's at the athletic Yovan Buha on Twitter, um, on Instagram. And I believe also on TikTok. TikTok is the same, um, as well. Uh, so so keep an eye out for, for all of that great work. Thanks again, bud. Appreciate you.